Today on Good Girls Don't, we have a very special guest. The highly requested Jesse Randawa is here. Jesse is Kinsey's longtime friend and ex-roommate. He is an OG fan of the pod and Sidoni's husband. Join us as we gather the books, the Super Bowl, university nostalgia, and his soon-to-be daddy status. Thanks for coming, Jesse. We're so happy you're here. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Good Girls Don't, from parties to past lives, a conversation between friends. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Kinsey. We're sister-in-laws, but also BFFs. We met over a hot dog, never looked back, and decided to start a podcast. And this is it. You're listening to it. Right. Now. Welcome, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. How do we know each other? Uh, on a fateful day, sometime in September, I forget how many years now, when we started high school, 2006, I think. And, uh, I think 2005, but no, it wasn't 0506. I don't know how, uh, I think it's the other way. I think it's 06. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We graduated in 2010. Anyways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, already arguing with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, we lived in the same neighborhood. We went, I went to the bus stop and I was very short. Um, and I was like, who the hell are all these giant people? And I thought they're all like senior year high school because it was our first day of high school. I'll get on the bus. But no, they're all in grade nine. And that was Kinsey and her brother Spencer that I met uh, for the first time. Were you tall like back then? I think I was taller than Jesse. Oh. I, I was like, tall- I was definitely the same height I am now. Well, yeah, I don't think you should. Sure no, but like. Was I tall? <laughs> I was six feet tall. <laughs> so I was like, wow, all these people are so tall. I was 4'11", so just give some context. Oh, you were little. You were a little baby. Yeah. No, so we met in high school. Jesse, how did we meet? How did we meet? <laughs> well, um, Spencer told me that he was seeing someone. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the first time we saw each other. I uh, saw you at your birthday at Grace O'Malley's before me and Spencer even had our first date. No way. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Probably, yeah. You were probably a little trash, maybe. Yeah. Grace <laughs> O'Malley nights were one of the best nights, I think. Uh, uh, Andrew, who was a previous guest, and I used to have our birthdays at Grace O'Malley's downtown uh, Toronto, and it was, it was a great time. It was always like a weird... Uh, bar scene because it was like older people on Saturday nights. Grace O'Malley is known for being a university bar, but on Saturdays it was like live music and yeah, yeah, it was a good vibe. And there was a lot of romantic relationships that grew out of Grace O'Malley's. Like that's where Dalton and Steph met too. Yeah. I remember like after Spencer invited me to go eat like pho with you guys and I was like, I don't think I want to meet 15 of your friends after this night out at the bar. At 3 a.m. At 3 a.m. Yeah. That was the best part. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember that. It was like, it's like a you go in some back door, you go up uh, these stairs and this giant faux hall and there's like filled with drunk people and you get a giant bow for, and I'm like, oh, it's too much. But it was, yeah. It was so fun. That sounds pretty good right now. I feel like I could yeah. look at it. And like we weren't, I think like Shane has seen like fist fights there before. We've never seen like fights and stuff. But like yeah. there's. There's all these videos online. It doesn't exist anymore. They closed of like people throwing plates at each other and stuff at like five five a.m. or four a.m. because everybody's just so drunk. Oh my! I remember the Denny's were always like that after the bars too. Like people getting in fights. 
Well, <laughs> speaking of fights, not really. No. <laughs> um, our icebreaker question for you, Jesse, is if you could only eat one dessert for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one. The yeah. NY. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justify your answer. So one dessert. Well, it'd probably be a oatmeal chocolate chip cookie with nuts. I think I would uh, have that. And why? Because it's something I can have every day. Mm. Like I really love cheesecake, but if I had that every day, I think I'd get tired of it. But with that, I could have one cookie. And if I'm feeling adventurous, I'd have 10 cookies that day. So it's also like kind of a breakfast food, you know, like it'd be a dessert or like you could eat it at any time. Yeah. 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 Whereas like I'm not really having, I mean, I would have cheesecake for breakfast, but it's not a breakfast food. It's not just an oatmeal cookie. Mine would be like a warm chocolate brownie with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Yeah, that's pretty good. But every day? Even on a cold winter day? Cold winter day? That's a hot, warm brownie with some like melting vanilla ice cream on top. Because he knows I'm not a huge ice cream person. (laughs) (laughs) I do think mine would be probably like a warm chocolate chip cookie. Just... Oatmeal's fine too, but like that's the straight yeah. with like crispy edges, soft center, chef's kiss. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Hmm, good answer. So Jesse, <laughs> what does your Instagram real page look like right now? My Instagram real page, um, there is probably three categories, very specifically. Uh, one, I'll get <laughs> out of nervous. <laughs> One I'll get out of the way. There's, you know, pictures of, of girls, uh, of course. Um, mm. Actually, there's a fourth category. Uh, Uh-oh. So, pictures of men? No. There's a lot of business stuff, uh, a lot about stock market and so forth. Uh, and then there's a lot about sports, especially football. And the fourth one now is babies, baby stuff. Oh, um, what kind of baby stuff are you getting? Just like random cute baby videos or like how to breastfeed and all this other stuff. <laughs> Are you planning on starting your breastfeeding journey? Uh, no, uh, but, you know, support my wife and whatever I could do. A lot of it has to do with what the guy could do to emotionally support his wife. So. Oh, that's really sweet. It is really cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that would be on my Instagram reel. Hmm. Um, are you watching or reading anything right now? I usually have three or four audiobooks on the go. Um. One uh, right now is called Dandu Investors by Manish Prabha. Uh, he's called the Warren Buffett of the of India. He's basically the whole concept of that book is um, talking about the Patels and from India, how they moved to America. Despite being like a fraction of the U.S. population, they own all twenty percent of all hotels and motels in the U.S. Wow. Um, Do they own a certain chain or is it just like... No, they just bought like motels in the cheap in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm. Um, And what it really talks about is not being an innovator. It talks about finding a profitable business that you could buy and run on your own and scaling that up. And so for the Patels, they followed the other Patels, right? And it was very profitable for all of them and they all got together and they're... They're not all one family. So the Patels are, you know, tens of millions. I'm not talking about one small family. There's there's tens of millions out what there. If, what if your last name is not Patel? Can you still yes. be a part of it? Okay. Yeah, anyone could be a part of it. It's yeah. just that they came from this one region in India, basically, that they are used to owning 
uh, property and know how to do that. And uh, and so the natural transition when they went to America was to own hotels and motels where people weren't running it correctly. And a lot of times the hotels would run it um, themselves. They'll live in the motel. They would about have one car. So they'd be running the motels on a lot cheaper basis than the normal who would hire staff. So they found ways of being more efficient. And that's really what you want to do to be have a successful business. Another thing was that the risk was low and the reward was high. So he says this a lot in the book that uh, lose little, gain lots, right? He, he talks about that. So um, yeah, that, that's one of the books. It's also like interesting thinking that you're not starting from scratch, right? Like you don't have like this million dollar idea that you start with and like you have to grow it from the ground up. It's something that you're like investing in that already exists and then making it better. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. reducing your own risk that way. And yeah. I, I, I agree with that approach. I'm not an innovator myself, so I would. Well, and you're probably, you're maybe not, like, I think sometimes when people build up their own businesses, it's like your heart is so much in that business because you've built it up. Whereas like coming into an existing business, I'm sure you have a different standpoint of like, you won't die with that hill kind of yeah thing. yeah it's like yeah. it's like a job but you have a little bit more of asset and control um so i think it's a long term much more financially savvy hmm, very um, cool second book i'm reading uh is called good inside it's a parenting book um it's about the emotional state of your child and how you could deal with different situation and correct behavioral things um and understanding how you're i'm i'm only a quarter away done the book so i can't really give too much on the on the themes the other book i'm like five minutes away from finishing so uh yeah so i think it's a good book it's kind of written by women for women i would like <laughs> so you're the target audience obviously <laughs> yeah so not really the target audience because they always talk about oh don't feel like a bad mom but then it, she never mentions don't feel like a bad dad wow right so that's that's how you know it's not really really written you know, a lot of moms feel this way. Well, I'm not a mom reading this book, so I'm not going to – I still need to understand it and still apply these things, but, you know, it doesn't feel like it's talking to me. Mm-hmm. Did someone recommend you that book or did you just find – Just found it? Just found it. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Um, I listened to that while I'm running because then I can't be such a whiny uh, – <laughs> Something. Uh, <laughs> You're allowed to swear. You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know. Well, you know, I don't want to be a whiny bitch when I'm on my runs. And so I've listened to his books, both of his books, and they're very motivating. But they're also allows you to push yourself a little bit further. And I think that's really the key for me, um, especially when I'm going on long runs. So is it like? inspirational talk or something is it yeah Yeah, it's a lot of inspirational stuff it's a lot of machoism but sweet yeah Yeah. it works for me yeah Yeah. get shit done yeah so those are the three right now cool so on that topic you're also part of a book club a separate one from one we're a part of do you think it's influenced you to read more and what's the best book you've read through the book club um I don't know if it's influenced me to read more. Um, I've been on the audiobook train for two and a half years. So I've been listening to most of the books there. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it hasn't got me to read more. It's forced me to read other books and other content, which is great. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of times you get in your own biases and you want to read the stuff that you really like. 
it's not, sometimes it's good to read things you don't like, although I will complain about it. Yeah, um, me too. It's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think I, the, my favorite book, it's tough to say. Um, there was one with the Pat Tillman. I forget the, the title of that one. Um, his story was, I think, the best story. It was a real story, but it was very inspirational, and he seemed like a really genuine good person. Um, and Oh, he's the football player yeah. that went to it was Afghanistan? Yeah. Yeah. He died there. He did die. Yeah. Yeah. Where men win glory. Where men, that's exactly it. I was going to say something glory. I don't remember the title. Yeah. I didn't know it. I did look it up. <laughs> for, the, for those aspects. Yeah. It, it's, it's a great book. I recommend everyone to read that book. Um, it shows you the value of a life, especially a really good person like Pat Tillman was. So that's a great segue for our next topic. Um, basically, you are, <laughs> oh God. This was a special question request from Spencer. Um, you are a massive football fan and an amateur player. What insights do you think you've gained as a player versus another football player who hasn't played? Another football fan. Another, another football fan who hasn't played. Sorry. I mean, you do appreciate certain things more like schemes, uh, how they get guys open. You know, you'll, you'll see on a play, for example, hey, this guy got open. And you go, okay, great, he got open. Why did he get open? And there's a lot of time that the coaches put in to make those plays happen. And how much practice it takes to actually get to that level is insane. Um, you know, we've, we've done practices, we've done drills, and people screw up. But at the NFL level, for example, mistakes are rarely made. And uh, I think maybe playing that and how violent it is, people don't understand how violent it is uh, as a sport until you've actually played. You could think about it all you want, but it's once your head gets rattled, it's a very different feeling. You can feel it all throughout your body and uh, very different. And when I watch it, it, to me, it looks like they're getting hurt the whole time. <laughs> yeah. how it yeah. Like we were talking about Travis Kelsey today and I was like, he's like older than we are. And he's still playing and Jason. Like yeah. they're playing this like super physical game. Like I, we couldn't imagine doing that. Yeah. I don't get how their bones just don't like snap when yeah. like all the time basically. When they are yeah. superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. So also on the football train, what do you think? You're a big Pats fan. Mm -hmm. What do you think the Patriots have to do to correct course? Was firing Belichick the right move? Yes, that was the right move. Um, the team needs to rebuild and Bill is much better with veteran players and getting them the most out of veteran players. He's always been that way. There's always been pa uh, the Patriots signing, you know, older guys that come in and do really well, like Randy Moss, for example. We got Wes Welker. When we, these aren't guys that we drafted, right? We're not – on the defense, we're good at drafting and developing, but on the offensive side, we've never been good. Tom Brady's is the only exception, um, and there's a few linemen in there. Back when they had uh, Ted uh, Scarcia, um, the offensive lineman who's been there a long time. Um, sorry, offensive line coach uh, who's been there a long time. They lost him. And when he was lost, the O-line went down quite a bit. And Bills tried to mimic him, but he couldn't follow. So I think it's time for Bill to go. I think what the Patriots need to do is draft a quarterback, um, if they can, at the number three spot. I'm a really big fan of Drake May and Jaden Daniels. Um, and if they could get one of them, I'd be really, really happy. But what about their, don't they have a current one or no? Uh, Mac Jones is not a 
NFL caliber. I think his confidence has been ripped away from him, and it's going to take a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, I do think he could have been on the right team in the right system, but he was kind of thrown into the fire on the Patriots with no O-line, uh, bad coaching. He had a three offensive coordinators in three years, which consistency is really bad for a young um, player. Right. I mean, it's like the corporate world. If you have a new manager all the time, you never get better. Yeah. Um, so, or the right manager and you won't get better. So, hmm. Good answer. Uh, on that same note, who do you think will win the Super Bowl and why? I think Baltimore will. I'm hoping Baltimore does, uh, especially the AFC. I know people here are Bills fans, um, but Baltimore has been the best team all shout year. Shout out OBJ. Yep, shout out OBJ. <laughs> He's he's been they've been the best team um, very consistently throughout the year. Uh, their defense is amazing. I like a lot of the guys that are on their defense. They're offensive players. They sign a lot of veterans, right? Like the Patriots used to do, and all those veterans are having career numbers. And they're at the age of like 34, 33, where people's out there past their primes. Even OBJ uh, is having a, a good season, not as good as his earlier ones, but. He's had a huge gap where he has done nothing, and then this year he's been very, very. Isn't their super their quarterback like amazing? Lamar too? Jackson is one of the best quarterbacks that we will ever see. I think in terms of athletics, except for Josh Allen. Yeah, for all the Bills fans that are listening. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing Josh Allen's a bad quarterback, but Lamar yeah. is smaller and faster and quicker, and Josh Allen is bigger. And can run through people more, but he can't. He can't really juke out guys as well as Lamar can. Six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. With our boy Josh, also identical body type to Michael. Yes, <laughs> and in terms of athleticism, exactly the same. Uh, not as good as Michael. Come on, no, Michael's <laughs> much more athletic. <laughs> so. On kind of the same NFL topic, mm-hmm. this is we want your hot take. Do you think <laughs> that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift being together has been good for the NFL? Uh, yes, I, I would say so. It's gotten a lot of women into the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Swifties. Swifties. Um, <laughs> and I think that's a good promotion for the league. So I just hope that if a breakup happens that they don't leave um, and they get to enjoy the NFL experience. Uh, I mean, you go tailgating, you go to the games. It's There's a reason why a lot of people fall in love with the sport, despite it's being a very complicated sport to actually understand all the rules. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's great for the game and it will help promote the, the game in a healthy way um, with younger audiences that are not just, you know, your typical football head yeah and i don't think it's like your core swifties that are now into it i think it's people that are maybe on like maybe like swifty outliers yeah you know it's yeah. not like the people that are like die hard taylor swift fans i think it's like well maybe there are some but it's people that are kind of on the periphery that are like oh like travis is cute or like this is interesting i'm gonna watch one game yeah and that's how you capture lifelong football fans it's like a lot of us with um Formula One and Drivers Survive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of like, for me, I definitely fell in love with like the personalities of football. But then I was telling Spencer, it was like, I've watched like a lot of sports in my day. Like my 
dad was a huge sports fan. Football is like the only sport I do think I can like watch, like actually be like excited about watching it. It is like a super exciting game. And obviously like the personalities and everything. It's just yeah. like great. Michelle, you'll so. have to come to your first Bills game. I know. I know. I want to. It's really, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There is nothing like going to a Bills game. It is, it is something I look forward to every year. And I do want to go to other stadiums though. Uh, have you been? Have you seen a Pats game? I have not seen a Pats game in Foxborough. I've seen a Lions game when they were Ford, bad. When they were bad, yeah, yeah. Uh, at Ford Field, um, and then I saw a Seahawks game mm. in Seattle yeah. when they were good. Cool. It's funny, like a Bills game, you just get so swept up in the atmosphere, and like everybody's welcome. That's like yeah. the best thing about Buffalo is it's so welcoming, and like you know everybody's just happy to be there. But Dad and I were like sitting up in our seats this year watching it. And there's like a play going on on the field. And I'm like in the stands, like, kill him. <laughs> and dad just kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, oops, sorry. <laughs> but it's just like, you just get so into it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the energy's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever mentioned those words, but I guess for sure. He's thought it. Yeah, he just wanted to be. Um, to change topics a little bit Jesse you and Kinsey lived together in university after being really good friends through high school what did you take away from that time to get together what do you remember as being the best part and what do you remember as being the worst part um so living together was a great experience it's the first time living with a girl um (laughs) We were not romantically involved. We should probably oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. outline that for people that listen that like don't know Jesse and I that yeah. well. Yeah. She was with Michael, who is always one of my best friends. Uh, so um, they were a triple. No, there's, there's no, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Um, sometimes it was Kinsey that was a third wheel. Uh, so mm, I bet. Yeah. yeah. And living with her uh, was great. Uh, we we went grocery shopping together. We got along really well. Uh, we never really argued about anything. Um, for a university place, we kept it relatively clean. Um, so it was great uh, living together. I, I actually have no complaints. What did I learn? Honestly, just, you know, give people their space when they want it. And you can hang out in the same room and do different things. I think that's that was something that uh, really helpful in a lot of relationships, actually, was just she would be on the couch watching a show and I'd be on the uh, table right behind her playing video games, right? And we're both in the same room doing what we want um, and not really getting in each other's way, which was nice. It is nice to, like, enjoy someone's company, but then not necessarily feel like you yeah. have to, like, yeah, be chatting the whole time or, like... We, yeah. like, coexisted really well. It was, yeah. like, a yes, we did a lot of things together and that was really fun, but then also, like, we were very comfortable just, like, doing our own thing both in the same room. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, it didn't take too long to even get over that awkwardness, I would say, but it did teach me, looking back on it, that that's important in, when, you, when you have a long-term partner because... A lot of times your hobbies aren't going to be the same or even yeah. the shows you watch aren't going to be the same. Um, you know, I got trained on having bad TV with Kinsey. <laughs> <laughs> we did watch, well, I watched a lot of bad TV. So that meant Jesse watched a lot yeah. of bad TV. So some of the shows I got into for a little bit and then it got too bad where I had to, yeah. I forget the. Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time, exactly. <laughs> yeah. that show. What did you taste that? It's like a, like kind of like dark 
thing about like fairy tale yeah characters. it's like the fairy tale characters you have like Rumpelstiltskin and Cinderella <laughs> yeah and... it was not good <laughs> I mean it was okay for a little bit it was an interesting concept and then I think there's like so many seasons and after a certain point there's something really dumb happened and I was like okay I'm I I'm I'm out of here because he's still powered power through, through the Riverdale some... effect yeah exactly <laughs> Spencer and I watched Riverdale together <laughs> Riverdale was a good show. It yeah. just really fell off. <laughs> well, and then we also always like would walk home from parties because we had the same group of friends. Yeah. So we'd like walk home from parties together and like there was always like a level of like more safety for me too than like living alone. Except when yeah. I left the doors open at night. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> We've all been there. Happen. We yeah. didn't die. <laughs> Did you guys yeah. like cook dinner or any dinner together? Yes. Yeah. Fun. I'm kind yeah. of jealous. Seems fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Sometimes we'd have dinner and we'd be outside on the patio. Yeah, we'd sit like on our little patio. <laughs> have a glass of, glass of wine. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys ever see each other naked? No. No. Damn there it. was two. Damn it. I don't know. I mean, fun Jeez. juicy gossip. Uh, it was like two separate bedrooms and two separate. Like my washroom was just like a like half bath. Yeah. But like there was no reason to see each other naked. No. True. You know, uh, and the best thing about living with Kinsey is uh, all the great memories. I think, uh, honestly, that's what it was. Doing this stuff together, which was really nice. Always having someone there, um, and it felt it felt like home. I was moving a lot. Like my parents moved to to from Caledon to Brampton. Um, you know, I really liked the house in Caledon, so it did feel like a home for a while. I was always excited to go back. I actually bought a house in the same area. Uh, yeah, Jesse literally lives around the corner from where we lived in university. Yeah. <laughs> he loved it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great neighborhood. Um, the worst part, I don't I don't know if I just really – I can't really think of like a really bad part. Maybe when she had some of her friends over um, and I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Wait, what? I had like some of like my girlfriends from Lori. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess that was the worst part, which wasn't really that bad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't even say it was bad. Uh, were they nice? They were. They were very nice. <laughs> Some of them were nice. I would but say. But it's not the same as like the other crowd that like we still hang out with a lot. Where yeah. like we're both really good friends with like this group of people. Yeah, yeah. it was like just your yeah. friends kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. makes sense. We also work together now, which is a funny transition, <laughs> but as someone who's a successful career in sales, what are the Jesse pillars to being a great salesperson? Yeah, I uh, I think there's three P's that I follow. Um, persistency. I'm very persistent, but not in an annoying way. So if I have a client that's interested in something, you know, I'll work with them. If it's urgent, I'll work with them every day, you know. Uh, but I won't harass them. Um, there's a client, a lot of my best clients have been ones that I've been talking to for six months to a year and nothing's happened. Um, so I'm, I'm very persistent. I'll have the communication once a month. If I say, hey, I know this is not a priority, I'll reach out once uh, in a month or two. And then it, sometimes they don't respond. And I'll be like, hey, circling back. I know you, you said this would be a good time, but not in a rude way or condescending. I think a lot of salespeople and they're kind of pushed to by managers to be very aggressive. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right approach in creating long-term relationships. So persistency. Second is problem solving. Um, sales, a lot of times you think you're selling a product to someone, 
you're really meeting their needs with your product. I think that's a better way to look at it. And you're trying to find the right fit. You're just a middleman being a salesperson. You're nothing more and you're nothing less. And I think a lot of people need to understand that in sales is where you actually fit in the grand scheme of things, right? So you're just trying, you're a matchmaker of your product and um, what the business needs are. I guess what you mean by that would be like, you don't necessarily have to be the number one advocate for your product. You're just trying to figure out where your product can fit to them. Exactly. Um, Again, focusing on long-term relationships. If you sell someone some something they don't need, they're gone in a year and you'll never talk to them again because they think you wasted their time. Yeah, it's like you do a discovery call and then all of a sudden you're showing them all these cool features when they don't even have a base to start from. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's no reason to do that. So I think that's that's the second one. And the last one I would say is um, oh, I forget the last P that I had in mind. Um, that's okay. I'll think of it. Think of one. Oh, people treating people like people. Um, I, it sounds simple. It is simple, but a lot of times people take in and go bye bye bye. And I think having that personable um, effect on on you know getting to know them, understand. Hey, hey, you have kids. How are your kids? And so forth. There's no rush to make the sale. And I think um, having that level of patience. Oh, patience was the word, but. I'm explaining the point of patience. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's really what it comes down to is people don't want to feel like the rush. Buying is an emotional decision. I don't need them to buy. I want them to buy. Yeah, right. Especially in B2B sales. The sales cycle is so long. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you see an ad on Instagram and you buy it that day. Like it's such a bigger investment that you need to build that relationship and have patience. You're also not selling to one person in B2B. You're selling yeah. to 10 people um, mm-hmm. and they all have their own individual wants and needs. If you could sell to 10 people in an organization, um, there's a lot of times you'll be very successful in, in actually making the sale. My my last job, there's a company called uh, – I won't say the name of the company. I don't know if I'm allowed to. But um, <laughs> it's a construction company and I had the VP of IT first as my first contact. I met him in person. And he was going to buy from me. He got canned. The next VP came, got canned. Then I ended up talking to a technician at the same company. Uh, and he was still there. And then I talked to his team of five. I got them all to buy in. Then I got the manager to buy in. And then the director. And then I got through the, the third and new VP of IT. Got it to the signatures. And then they fired the CFO or CIO. And so the CIO was supposed to sign it. Now they have to wait three months for a new one to sign, and I end up leaving the company. But the deal did close, even though I wasn't there, and it took another six months to get those signatures. But because I've basically, and that took two years. Uh, that was a two-year, twenty-four-month sales cycle, and it's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, a lot of time. Yeah, um, but it was a, a decent-sized six-figure deal. Uh, they ended up coming through. I didn't get paid for it. I was going to say, did you still get any commission? <laughs> but I know in my heart, I, I, yeah. I, eh, I made that so. Still a good success story. I guess I have a random question. Like how, let's just say that deal didn't go through or never happened. How do you handle like rejection? of? Oh, there's always sales? another one. I don't you don't dwell on it? Jesse is not someone <laughs> like that that would bother him. Even though you put in that much time? That's that's life, though. I think yeah. most things you do in life are a waste of time. It's the few things that 
matter at the right time that actually leads you to the next place. That's actually really good advice. Yeah, it is good advice. Hmm. So what's the best advice you've ever received in regard to your career? Um, the best advice I've ever received uh, when was when I was selling Bell door-to-door. And he said, why are you doing this, man? You're better than this. And I said, like, was it just like someone you were trying to sell to? No, it was someone I, who I was selling with. He was more yeah. successful at selling this. Um, he ended up going to TELUS and making like six figures or something. So he did pretty well for himself. Um, Shout but, out this guy. Yeah. Um, I actually play tennis with him. His name is JP. Um, he's like a interesting character and I won't go into his flaws because he gave me this uh, <laughs> advice. But and we can interview him. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get him on the pod. JP, contact us. <laughs> yeah. um, but he said, go into IT sales and you're going to do very, very well. And it, it's, it sounds... Like, oh, someone just told you to do this. But he said, the reason why is you're young, you're smart, and you're hungry, and you know what you're doing. And it's a technical, more technical product. You seem to understand the technical know-how about how to do things. So you'll be talking to people more like yourself. Um, and that really kick-started my career. And it ended up being, it's very lucrative to be in IT sales. And if this guy, if I never met this guy, I would not. JP. JP, I would not be doing it. In terms of like actual advice, um, one of my former managers said, you could either be three things in a company. And this is bad advice, by the way, but it was best advice. Uh, or three things when if you want to be a CEO, right? He knew I have an ambitious drive um, and that I want to be a business owner. You could be a CEO that cares about his business and his business is his baby. You could be uh, a CEO who... It does an okay job, but has a family, right? This is terrible advice. And then the third thing is that you could be a very family man and not be a CEO. And in my mind, what I learned from that is that he thinks of himself as a CEO who cannot have a family. But I met CEOs who do have families and they have great families. And actually the person he was working with is also was a, not our CEO, but well, actually he, the guy he was working with was a CEO. He was a CTO. And the CTO was the one who gave me the advice. And the CEO is the one who has a family and gets to own business and does a great job. Yeah. So, I don't buy into that at all. I think you can have all the things. You can have like a slice of every pie. And yeah. I agree. And that's and that's that bad advice actually made me think about doing the opposite, which was really good advice. So sometimes yeah. bad advice can be turned into a really big positive. Well, I think sometimes you hear advice quote unquote advice like that. And it just makes you want to prove that person wrong. Right. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It lights a different fire for sure. Right. It's like more of yeah. like a fuck you fire. Yeah. Than a, yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. I think sometimes people, cause I do think that's pro- especially in like, you know, big tech sales or big tech companies, yeah. people have like the mindset that, yeah, you need to be like a full on shark and not have anything besides your work that matters. But I think it's been proven time and time again that I don't think that that's really the trend yeah. of what is happening. It's like when they say, if you see in a job description, like, oh, we treat you like family or you're an interview and someone says that, it's like, turn around and run. Yeah. And it's like, it's because you don't want to work with family. You want to work with a company and then be able to leave and spend time with your family. Yeah, exactly. You're there to like, get the job done. It doesn't yeah. have to be your whole life to do. Yeah. It. How many... Yeah co-workers do you have you had in the past and how many you still talk to today that's the question i always ask yourself whenever they say, say you're like a family there's a few i i, I keep um 
especially some of the younger sales guys that are doing a really good job. Always interested in seeing how their career turned out and stuff like that. But I think if like I have friends I've met at work and we've remained friends, but none of that friendship basis is work related anymore. So it's not yeah. like I meet up with them and talk about the work. It's yeah. now that we've become friends separate from that workplace. So it has nothing to do with the work. It's just a yeah, a vehicle to meet yeah. someone. <laughs> and like my close people from work situations are very different yeah. work situations. Like my best friend Amanda, I met ski teaching together, but that's like a much more social environment. And we like grew up together. We started when we were 13 and yeah. now we're 31. Like that's just it's life. Yeah. Yeah. And then like my, the people I work for at the farm, like that is somewhere that is like family because you're spending more time there during a day at really, really weird hours than you spend like with your partner. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Delulu hours. Yeah. <laughs> I saw an interesting graph on Instagram about how you spend more time on with your coworkers than you do with uh, your family members. But it's uh, it was very interesting to see, especially in your working years from 30 to 60. Yeah. I think I've seen some of that before too, actually. It isn't. It, I mean, there's definitely importance to have good relationships with your coworkers. I just don't think they have to be your best friends. You just need to achieve the goals set out together. And as long as you do that, you'll be fine, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think working remotely gives us a different view on that too, right? Like, I don't spend that much time with coworkers and I'm like individually doing my job. I'm not going into an office. Like you and I, we like say hi every morning and chat, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's not like I'm talking to someone all day, every day at a water cooler. No, and I, I don't think that's necessary for a lot of jobs. Um, no. Yeah. I do have lots of friends that I work with that listen to this, though. I love you guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I like yeah. I get it. It's, you know, but I agree, right? There's lots of, like, work situations where it feels like that's your whole life and that's the only thing that matters. But when you leave that job, it doesn't matter anymore. It's true. Yeah. 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 Like when you, I said this to someone the other day, like when you die, your job title from LinkedIn isn't going to be on your gravestone, (laughs) right? Like nobody's going to carry what you did or how many years experience you have in one company. Yeah. And I think also like, even if you do something that's super impactful at a company, what you've done, like, like for example, that sale you made, that sale for that previous company is probably really big deal to them. It's really great, but they probably don't sit there and think, Jesse did this. You know, it's just the impact that matters. At the they end like of the a framed Jesse yeah. yeah. on the wall. Yeah, like, exactly. thank you, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, no, no company's ever done that. I made some pretty big sales there. Actually, one of their biggest sales of all time, and they did not do that. They claim credit for it, and I was like, okay, this is weird. And yeah. that's when I wanted to leave. They're like, oh yeah, we did it. And I'm like, what? Oh, I did it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. My boss was in the UK and he thought he did it. And I was like, you weren't even on any of the calls, man. Mate, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very bad British yeah. I don't know oh. what that was. Oh, yeah. I think we need to edit that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It sounded more Aussie. <laughs> well, you know. Um, okay. Switch course a little bit, Jesse. Recently, you have been into running more. What motivates you and what's your advice to someone who recently started their running journey? I hate running. Mm. <laughs> it's not fun. Uh, but that's why I'm doing it because it's not fun. So I said I need to start doing things I don't like. Running's pretty easy. <laughs> that's not the advice our viewers want. <laughs> no. I know it's not the advice your viewers want or listeners. Listeners, listeners. Yeah. listeners. Um no, that, that's why I started t- doing running is because I'm not good at it. 
uh, I don't really particularly enjoy it. Uh, last week I did a 14 kilometers, not to brag. I did, uh, but the first after the first three, I was like, I still have an hour of this to go. This really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm listening to David Goggins through it. So I'm a little less whiny, but it's toughening the mind, toughening the body. Um, and I think what you end up doing without realizing is you're starting to do more stuff you don't like. Um, and that for me is a good way to live life, uh, a better way to live life than what I'm currently living. So uh, mm-hmm. that's that's the reason I run. Any any advice for people that are starting to run, take your time, go slower than you think you need to. Don't worry about the clock. I have it on Strava when I used to run. I would be like, oh, I need to get the 5K time in this or that. I stopped doing that. Um, if I have to walk, I have to walk. Um, but I'm going to do the whole thing this time. Before, if I couldn't get a certain time, I just would cancel the Strava and be like, I don't want this on. Who cares? Yeah. No, that's good advice, actually. I know. I went for like a bike ride this summer and I like tracked it on Strava and then it like wasn't fast enough or as fast as some of my old ones. And then I like turned it on like private viewing. It's like, that's so toxic. Like you're just out and moving. Like what does it matter how fast you did it? I think the thing is, is I've only like as someone who like views and like uses Strava, I'm I've always been like, oh, good for this person for getting out today and exercising. I've never once been like, oh my God, like that pace. Like I've never it's, once questioned that about it's somebody definitely else. an right? internalized so, thing yeah. that yeah. nobody would ever think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't have any friends on Strava. Mm. No, so you not me. That's okay. I'm going to keep it solo. Because mm. it's just for me, right? It's yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I feel like I probably track like 20% of the stuff I do now. I used to like make sure I tracked everything and I'd feel like if you – if I didn't track my run on Strava, like wasn't counting, but that's like not the case. It's, you do. It. I mean, it's good because you can see how far you've gone and like, it's useful for a lot of things. And, like I like data, but yeah, you definitely don't need to be depending on no. what your Strava There's says. a lot of talk about how that stuff like feeds into like eating disorders and like body dysmorphia and stuff like that. Right. Because it's like, all of a sudden you have this like quantitative data that is like telling you, okay, I like exercise this much that equals this many calories. That means I can eat this or, Oh, I only burn this many. So I can only eat this much. Yeah. And just like, it's just interesting to think about. And I totally understand how that can be like damaging. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, on my long run days, I try to treat myself with a something as a positive reinforcement, like either a beer or a cookie or whatever dessert from the grocery store. For sure, but that I think should be the accomplishment of doing the thing, not necessarily like, oh, I burned 800 calories, now oh, I yeah. can eat this. It's more like, oh, I did this hard-ass thing, so I'm going to now reward myself. Yeah. I was like, do you remember around Halloween, all these things come out, and it's like, oh, like, if you eat five mini Kit Kat bars, you're going to have to do 800 push-ups or whatever yeah, to, like, burn that. And it's like, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I don't agree with that mentality no, at all. me um, neither. So on the topic of, we were talking a lot about family earlier. You're going to be a dad soon. What do you look forward to most of having a little one? And what do you want to pass on to them that you enjoy? Not running, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably get into running. Uh, my my wife, uh, Sidoni, who was on a previous guest, uh, she does a lot of running. Uh, she enjoys it. Um, so the kid will probably end up running. Um, little kids actually get most of their fitness from their mother uh, when they're young fitness habits when they're uh when they're before like the age of seven so what they see their mom do they will they want to do in terms of mm-hmm. fitness so <laughs> My hips fucked. you're just gonna watch a lot of gilmore <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 
Um, as I get older, though, it becomes more on what the dad does in terms of that's just what the studies have, you know, I've thought about this. Uh, does it not depend like on like the gender of the kid? I think that would play like a part. In not it. when they're young. The gender yeah, gender so. doesn't really happen too much until puberty, but um, we could say the gender uh, topic on, a, on another well, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right wing podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm looking forward to just spending time. Uh, you know, they always say babies teach you more uh, about yourself than anything else. So, you know, man- time management as well. I have to be more efficient and having a child is going to force me to do that. Um, I can't, uh, I have to get things done no matter what for the child. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to those challenges, um, teaching them, helping them read, learn to read. Um Getting them to enjoy these things a little bit more than what I did when I was a child because some of it was a little bit too forced, I would say, uh, reading and writing. So I didn't end up enjoying it, when, it, especially when it came to more of the formative years of like 7 to 12 because I was I had to do it every day. And, you know, getting them to enjoy those things a little bit more so that they do it on their own versus me. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm excited just to watch football on the weekend with my dog in one hand and the baby in the other. Yeah. <laughs> It's you know. a good answer. Well, yeah, and this is my first time saying it on the pod, but we're Michael and my babies do two months after yours. Yes, so. uh, that is a very exciting. Yeah, the newest member of the Good Girls Don't Family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really fun raising our babies together, and they're going to be so close in age, and like so close because we're so close. Yeah. So, we'll... what if they're roommates? <laughs> well, we want to bring back arranged marriages. So. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, arranged marriages have the same success as regular marriages. <laughs> I don't I don't see what's wrong with that. No, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Plus, if they get married at 18, you know, then... Uh, you guys could be grand- get some young grandparents. Get- <laughs> young, hot grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> Gilfs, I was Gilfs. <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> Um, and what have you been, you kind of answered it already because you said you were reading a book, but what have you been doing to prepare to be a dad? Uh, reading, I need to get a little bit better at organizing the house. I think, um, you know, getting it all prepared. We've gotten all most of the stuff, but finding places for everything, I think would go a long way. I know we're probably a lot more prepared than a lot of other people are when they're having their first child, but, uh, is a very, well, she's a Girl Scout. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I keep saying this. I say this over and over to people. Is like there's a lot of people in way worse situations than us that have kids. Yeah, we're very fortunate, uh, fortunate and and skilled uh, to to get in the position we have. It's a mix of both. Um, but yeah, I think you know we're pretty well prepared. Um, you know, putting all the furniture, making a baby safe, doing stuff, little stuff like that. Um, it's not so such a big deal when they're just born, but when they start to crawl around in a year. Yeah. So all that stuff doesn't need to be done necessarily now, yeah. but yeah. it is something to keep in mind. Yeah. Like I'm not worrying about baby proofing until later. Yeah. Like right now it's just like, okay, I'm going to grow this child and I'm going to, you know, give birth to it in whatever way. And I'm going to survive this portion and have a room ready for it to sleep in and a bassinet for it to sleep in beside our bed and then go from there. Yeah. Just for the listeners, uh, Kinsey's planning on doing a home birth. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) 
no, no shade to people that do a home birth. Like, good on you, but like, I actually think we're gonna live record it. Um, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yes, Kinsey, how's it going? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> we are not doing that we're giving birth in the hospital if you want to give birth at home that's great but i don't want a pool in my living room so <laughs> good girls don't give birth at home yeah <laughs> maybe that could be our episode title no you guys are both going to be amazing parents i'm very excited to meet your small children very yeah soon. um moving on <laughs> uh so we, as you know, we always ask like our previous guest a question for us to ask you. Uh, if you could go to any concert, whose would it be? Any concert. So definitely not Coldplay. Uh, <laughs> Didn't was, you just go to Coldplay? Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I heard it was like pretty disappointing in general, that show. Yeah. So I saw them in Toronto a couple years back before pre-COVID um, and it was everyone was talking about how amazing of a show that was and it was amazing the atmosphere was great everyone had the wristbands and you could see it from the other condos and stuff it was on the news um, yeah it was it was great um, then we saw them again and they just had less energy they're a lot more eco-warriors and a lot about uh, peace love and happiness and they mm. had a lot more of that messaging and that's great and all, um, you know, I support that, but at the same time, you go there to hear music. You're, so, you're, yeah. yeah. So it kind of defeats, deflates the, the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was okay. Um, but I think I would like to see a smaller, uh, rapper. Um, you may not know him. His name is NF, but, uh, it's, you, you'll hear some of his music at football games and stuff like that. Um, I, I think it'd be cool. I, I've been following that guy for a long time. Um, uh, I, I want to say almost like eight, nine years now. Um, he's kind of giving like Eminem vibes. He is, but he's a lot more um, polite. Okay. So mm-hmm. a lot more and a lot, lot better messaging in terms of being like optimistic about things and uh, drive. So mm, very cool. I'll check him out. <laughs> And then what's your question for our next guest? Uh, If you had the option to be part of... (laughs) (laughs) To poo a pee? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, wrong question. uh, So there's an expedition to another planet and they're picking 200 people from our planet and they selected you and you have to obviously give consent. Would you do that and why? Wait. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. If, like, you have the op- – you're selected to go to another planet, one out of 200 people, would you do it? Yeah. Okay. And, and why? Do you want me to answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you, you'd have to leave everyone behind. You have none of your belongings. You have, your entire family won't be there. None of them will be there. So Like, no. Who would do that? I know. My answer would also be no. Oh, I, I might. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Jesse. We have dinner reservations in five minutes. So. Yeah. We got to go, peeps. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks. for coming, Jesse. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye.